and uh, they're going to have a great trip. I know we're praying for them, but uh, thank you for being here with us tonight. Encourage you to be here Sunday. The reason being because we need everybody to be here Sunday because a lot are at the big city. And so we need to make sure we fill some pews Sunday. So y'all plan on being back with us uh, then. Let me remind you, two weeks ago, we were in Ruth chapter 1. Let me just summarize, and then we'll move on with Ruth chapter 2. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, we find a family. Family, and the, the father's name is Elimelech, and then his wife's name is Naomi, and they have two sons, Malon and Kilion. They live in Beth, uh, Bethlehem, and Bethlehem means the house of bread. Bethlehem is the place of God. They are with the people of God, and they are in the will of God right here in Bethlehem. The Bible tells us that a famine, a severe famine, came into the land, and so this family took a trip. They took a journey to Moab. Now, Moab is not just the neighbor. Moab is not just a vacation destination. The Bible makes it clear that the Moabites are the people against God. Uh, it says back in the Old Testament that Moab is the wash pot. They are the enemies of the people of God. When the people of God were coming and they were on the way to the promised land, they faced much opposition from the Moabites. And so uh, they are to stay away from Moab, but yet Elimelech takes his wife and his two boys and they go to Moab. When they get to Moab, the two boys find Moabite women, and they marry these women, Orpah and Ruth. And so they, they think it's just going to be a quick journey, but they end up staying in Moab for how long? Ten years. Ten years they stay in Moab, and during that time, all the men pass away. Elimelech passes away, Malon and Kilion, they all pass away, and then we read that Naomi heard that God visited Bethlehem and the famine is over. And so Naomi takes these two girls and they begin to head back to Bethlehem. But on the way back, she encourages them to go back to Moab. Go back to Moab. Find you a man in Moab. I, I cannot have any more children. I cannot take care of you. I cannot protect you. I cannot meet your needs. You need to go back and go back to Moab. Now, remember last time we were together, we talked about how she should have encouraged these girls to come to Bethlehem where God is. But she encourages them to go back to the pagan land of Moab. Orpah did so. She went back to Moab, but Ruth said, I'm not going. I'm going to stay with you. And so she was loyal to Naomi, and they come in to Bethlehem. All the people begin to talk, and they begin to point, look who's back. Naomi is back. And Naomi comes, and you remember, she says, don't call me Naomi, but call me Mara, because God has dealt bitterly with me. She says, I went, I left with a lot and I came back with nothing. So she is at a very low point in her life. Everything that she had is lost. Everything is gone. And now she literally says, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter because that's what I am. I am just a bitter, lonely, broken, lowly woman. And so you can call me by that name. But the chapter ends and it says that it is the season of barley harvest. And what that tells us, what it tells the reader, is that there is a new beginning on the horizon. 
There is a fresh start. God is about to do a big work in the life of this family. I love that because the harvest is coming. I'm reminded it may be that in your life, you're going through something that just has got you bitter. You're going through something and it's got you down, it's got you depressed, it's got you low, and you feel like God has dealt harshly with you. And it very well could be that God's about to pour out blessings upon your life. And so that's what we see through the rest of the book of Ruth. So let's look at chapter 2 together. But before we do, I want to remind you that before God changes our circumstances, he wants to change our heart. You see, if God changes our circumstances for the better, but we remain the same, then we really become worse. God wants to see our heart change. It's not so that we become comfortable, but it is that we become conformed to the image of his son. Christ-like character is what every believer should be focused on in their life, that we would be more and more like Christ. In chapter 1, we see that Naomi is bitter against God. We see that Ruth was willing for God to have his way in her life. And so God begins to work through the life of Ruth. Ruth is going to influence the life of Naomi, and God would bring to pass a wonderful work that would eventually bring the Son of God into the world. They don't realize that. They don't know that God's at work. They don't know what God's doing. But in the midst of that, God has a huge plan that is working out in the midst of their trials and in the midst of their tribulations. In Ruth, it begins with the death of a husband, but it will end with the birth of a baby. The tears will be turned to triumph. And I want you to see as we look at chapter 2, there are certain steps that are taken that put us right in the center of the will of God. I don't know about your life, but the one thing that I pray for and that I want is that I will be right in the center of God's will. I want you to be right in the center of God's will. So the first thing that we must do is we must live by faith. We must live by faith. Look at verse 1. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. There's an old proverb, and it says, Providence does not assist the idol. And Ruth was not an idle woman. She would not just sit around and do nothing. And so the Bible tells us she asked permission to go and glean in the fields. Now I want you to notice this is a step of faith on the part of Ruth. She's taken a step of faith and she's clinging to the word of God. Back in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, Based on the commandment of the law, when the harvest was taking place, God's people were to consider the poor and they were to leave some behind. 
In other words, they were not to go and to get every little piece they could. They were to take the top layer and leave some behind so that the less fortunate could come through and they could pick up some to go and to have food also. And so she goes out and she begins to try to find a field to do that on. Ruth was not only a poor widow, but she is also an alien. Deuteronomy 10, it says that he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. To live by faith means that we take God at his word and we act upon it. For faith without works is dead. So to live a life of faith, it means that we take God at his word and we live a life that honors that. We take a life of action. Do you know what that means? It means that when people see us, they should see men and women of faith. We should be different because we know the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's a shame is when we come to meetings like this and we come to church and we come to small groups and we come to Bible studies, but yet we walk out these doors and sometimes before we even get off the property, we're being as negative as we could be. Sometimes before we get off the property, we're already judging someone else. Before we get off the property, we have lost the attitude of Christ. And I just want to remind you, maybe it's just towards me, but that is a shame. We're to be a people of faith who live by faith so that the world sees us and they know that there is something different in our life. Because if there's not something different in our life, then we are wasting our time. Amen? If we come together and we sing songs and we skip songs and we come together and we study the Word of God, but we leave the very same, we should have stayed home watching TV tonight. Because what good have we done? We should have stayed home and just relaxed tonight and just took it easy unless we take the Word of God and apply it into our life. See, to stay in the will of God, it means that we walk by faith. And so we see that Ruth goes out and she takes a step of faith and she goes out to find a field. Now, as she's walking, she doesn't know where she's going. You know how today there are these big signs and maybe it says, Kirkendall Ranch, that's pretty, isn't it? Kirkendall Estates, we see that today. In this time, they didn't have that. They didn't have fences, they didn't have gates, they didn't have property signs. They would have uh, these, these posts at the corners. And so it, it was very hard to find out exactly who owned what piece of property. And so as she's walking and she's trying to find the field, she has no idea where she is going. But she ends up finding her way on this field. And then we see a man named Boaz enters the story. And Boaz is the very opposite of what Elimelech is. Elimelech is weak, but Boaz, his name means strength. And so when he enters the picture, he is a man of strength. He's a man of standing in the community. And it is by the providence of God that Ruth happened you see what the Bible says? Mine says happened. It's kind of like it just so happened that she ended up at this field. But I want you to notice it was no accident. It was by the direction of God that her steps were guided to this piece of property. And so I picture it like this. She leaves Naomi. She's walking around. 
and she goes this way, and something inside of her urges her to go right. She just follows it. She just goes right, and she's coming up this way, and then something inside of her urges her to go left. Why do we do the things we do? We follow our instincts, don't we? We think it's our instincts, but what it is, it's the leading of God that led her to this specific piece of property. The providence of God directed and guided every single step that she took, and it guided the moment she left the house, and it guided the moment that she came to this piece of property. Everything that she is doing is directed by the hand and the will of God. God's providential work in our life is both a delight and it is a mystery. You see, the Bible tells us that God is constantly working with us. He's constantly working in us and he's constantly working for us. We see that in Mark 16, 20. It says, while the Lord worked with them, and confirm their message. Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We pray, we seek his will, we make decisions, and sometimes we make mistakes, but it is God who orders the events and guides them for his children. Question, how are you walking in faith in your life? What are we doing that shows that we are walking in faith? I want you to notice what Ruth did not do, okay? Ruth did not sit around with Naomi and have a pity party. You don't read that, do you? You don't read Ruth and Naomi sitting around talking about how bad life is. I cannot believe our husbands are dead. I cannot believe that we are poor. I cannot believe our life turned out like this. I cannot believe that God allowed this to happen to us. We don't read that. We don't read where they sit around belly aching. We don't read where they sit around and they are just praying all the time. Now, I'm all for prayer, but what if on this day, Ruth would have said, I'm just going to pray. And she knelt down and she began to pray, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed, but there was no action. If there was no action, she would have missed out on the blessings of God. Our prayers should lead us to action. It may be that we're praying for someone who we know who is lost. You know what the action is? Pray about it and then go witness to that person. And maybe that we're praying for someone who is hungry. Let's pray about it and then let's go be a blessing for that person. Prayer should lead us to action. And so we see that, that Ruth was a woman of action. And because of that, she's walking in faith. Number two, we must live by the grace of God. Look at verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Ruth set out on this morning to glean in the fields, and she was looking for someone who would show her grace. Grace is simply favor bestowed on someone who does not deserve it and cannot earn it. And Ruth was a woman who could not earn earn it and she did nothing to deserve it she was a 
poor widow and she was an alien. She had nothing to stand on. She was the lowest in the community. What she needed was a godly man. What she needed was someone who was going to do what was right. It's a blessing to find people like Boaz who know the Lord and seek to obey his will. You know people like that? There are people in your life who you know and they just they are seeking after God. And when you're around them, it just blesses you. You may be having a bad day, things may be tough, but you get around these individuals and you can just tell that they are seeking after the face of God. And so when you lead these individuals, your spirits are just lifted. Because you look at them and you say, that is a, a man or that is a woman of God. That's what we see in Boaz. Let's keep reading. And then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. So Boaz comes to the scene. He greets his workers and his eye catches the presence of a stranger in the field. A lovely stranger and, and you might say it's love at first sight because from this moment forward all that Boaz does pertains to this young woman. He has an affection for this woman. He takes care of this woman. Verse 11 indicates that he had already heard of Ruth, but in, in this moment, he has the chance to meet her. Now, imagine this. Ruth just so happens to come to this field at this time. And at the same time, Boaz just happens to come in and check on the workers. It just so happens that they are at this direct place at this direct time. You might say, well, that's a good coincidence. You might say, well, isn't that a lucky chain of events? Listen, that is the providence of God. If you don't get anything else tonight, I believe if we would just understand the way that God works, it would change our life. Every step that she took directed her to this field. Every part of his probably busy schedule that day directed him to this field, directed them to this field at the exact time that they would see each other. The events lined up perfectly, and it was God who was working these events out. Now, could it be that in your life, God is trying to do the same thing? Could it be that when you're going through Walmart and you've got the buggy full of groceries and we all hate Walmart because the lines are always so long, amen? Amen? Thank you, okay? There's so many people in line, you can't check out. Then you go to the self-checkout and the machine doesn't work and you got to call the lady and it takes forever. So you're, you're pushing your buggy and then all of a sudden you see a line that just opened up that there's no one in it. And you say, well, didn't that work out good? And you go and you put your, your groceries, your items on the little rail here, and the lady checks you out, and you, you get your groceries, you leave. But could it be that God opened that up for you in that moment? 
Could it be that that lady needs a blessing? She needs to hear a word of encouragement from God, and God put you at that place in that time with that lady so that you could be a blessing in her life? And so many times we just walk right on by those blessings. Could it be that tomorrow, tomorrow evening, you get a craving for some Mexican food? And so you've got this Mexican food craving, and you're wanting some enchiladas, and you tell someone close to you, hey, let's go to Posado's, let's get an enchilada, and everybody sounds good. So you go to Posado's, you sit down, you start getting the chips and the salsa, the hot sauce, everything's going good, and then a young man comes to take your order. Could it be that God directed you to Posado's? God directed you to that table? God directed this young man to come to your table to take care of you so that you can be a blessing on his life? Could it be? That is the providence of God. What providence does is it says, it's not by chance that I'm right here. It's not by accident that God has placed these people in my life. It is because God wants to use me today. The problem that we've got is we forget that God wants to use us. I believe God wants to use us everywhere that we go in life. You go to work, you've got co-workers, let God use you among those people. You've got friends that you live by. You've got acquaintances. You've got all these places that you go in your daily schedule. But what if as you go on this busy schedule of life, you take the opportunity to be a blessing to others? I don't know. I just think that would be a, a wake-up call for most believers to realize that God has placed me at this place at this time for a specific reason. And that is exactly what we see with Ruth and with Boaz. They come to the place at the exact time so that God can work an incredible movement. We see many pictures in Boaz. We see pictures of, of Christ. Like Ruth, there are sinners outside the covenant family of God, bankrupt, no claim on God's mercy, but God took the initiative. He provided a way for us to enter into his family through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me show you just real quickly a few ways that Boaz is a picture of Christ. Number one, look at verse 8. Boaz took the initiative. Boaz took the initiative. Verse 8, it says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. He says, come here, come listen to me. Don't go to another field. You stay right here. Stay with these women. I'm going to take care of you. Stay right here in my field. Grace means that God makes the first move to come to our aid, and there's nothing that we can do to earn it. It means that God makes the step towards us, and it's not based upon anything that we can do or that we have done. Listen, your salvation is not based on you. You're not saved because of how great you are. You're not saved because of how good of a man or how good of a woman you are. It's not based upon you. It's not based upon how many times you've come to church or how much money you've given in the offering. It's not based on you because it is totally based on the Lord Jesus Christ. First John says that we love 
because he first loved us. God took the initiative. He took the initiative when we were spiritually dead. That's in Ephesians chapter 2. When we were without strength. That's in Romans 5. When we were sinners, when we were his enemies. God took the initiative in our life. And he took the initiative because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Salvation was not an afterthought. Salvation was a detailed plan because the Lord loves us so very much. We serve a seeking Savior. And if you can think back to the day that you came to salvation, you will remember the moment that the Savior sought after your life and your heart. It is not us who takes the initiative. We are lost and many times don't even know that we're lost until the Lord comes into our life and draws us to salvation. Secondly, we see that Boaz spoke to Ruth. It was he who spoke to her first. She would not have dared to speak to Boaz, to speak to a man, especially a man of, of his statute in the town. She would have been quiet. What right would a, a lowly widow have to speak to a man like Boaz? But yet we read that he interrupted the conversation with his foreman so that he could speak to this young lady. In my life, there has never been a celebrity who has spoken to me. Never been a world leader who has cared to speak to me. Never been anybody of fame who has spoken to me. But the Lord has spoken to me. It may be that nobody of fame has spoken to you, but the Lord has spoken to you. He's spoken into your heart. Hebrews says he's spoken through his son. Hebrews 1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He speaks through us, through his son. He speaks through us, to us through his word. And just as Boaz instructed Ruth and said, Ruth, stay here, stay at my field. This is what is best for you. In the same way, God speaks to his children. And he speaks to us and he guides us. And he directs us, and he leads us, and he pushes us along the right path in life. He doesn't speak to us and then leave us. He is continually speaking to us. I believe the problem is that sometimes we don't listen. You ever, you ever begin to think, man, I just don't hear the voice of God very often. There's a while back I began to think that, and I believe the Lord showed me why that was. We get home and we go, we sit in front of the TV, right? And the, the television's on. And then we go and we maybe eat supper. Then we go get on the computer and we begin to work on the computer. And then we get in the car and we turn the radio on. And I've got to think, where do we leave time for God to speak to us? When do we just sit quietly and, and meditate? And say, Lord, I, I want to hear from you. I'm afraid in most of our lives that doesn't happen very much. Then we see that Boaz promised to protect Ruth and to provide for her needs. Look at verse 9. It says, let your eyes be on the field that you are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? 
And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Look at verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. And so she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her the roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed the young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, but also pull out some from the bundle for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. He is taking care of this lady. He says, Hey, stay right behind my men. And as they go, you follow them. And then he, he pulls his men to the side, and he says, Hey, leave some behind. Leave more than you normally would. Make sure you leave a good amount for her to pick up. He's working and he's making sure that, that she is protected. The master comes and he's taking care of the poor, broke down, Moabite woman. You know the Lord does the same thing for us? Philippians says that the master left heaven and came to earth because he loves us. Philippians 2, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Lord has shared with us the riches of his mercy, of his love, of his grace, of his wisdom, of his knowledge, of his glory. Ephesians says even his unsearchable riches. And then we see that Boaz encouraged Ruth. Look at, look at verse 10. It says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and she said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? For I am only a, a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. I love it because it, it says that she took under the wing of God. That's protection, isn't it? What a beautiful analogy. What a beautiful place to be under the wing of God. It's in verse 12. It says under, under his wings. The image is protecting the chicks. It's the intimacy that is shown when we have a relationship with God. Let's close with this. Lastly, we must live in hope. Look at verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left, and over 
and left over after being satisfied. She gleaned in the field till evening. She worked all day. She was a woman of action. She was not a woman who was just sitting around. And she worked and she took all this food and she takes it back to Naomi. She takes it back to Naomi, and the, the next verse shows that she goes to her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law begins to ask the questions, where did you go? What happened? Where'd you get all this food? And she begins to tell her that she went into the field of Boaz. And all of a sudden, we see that things begin to change in the life of Naomi. Now, when we started this, what did Naomi want to be called? Bitter. I mean, Mara, because I'm bitter, and she is a bitter, bitter woman. But now in the next text, we see that she begins to talk about blessings. She is experiencing the blessings of God. And I believe in this moment, because of what happened on this day, she has a glimmer of hope. There's a, there's a light that is going off in her mind for Ruth and for Naomi. They see that God is working in their midst. Listen. As believers, I know we're running out, we're going to close up. As believers, we must be a people of hope, regardless of our circumstances, because God is working in our midst. Sometimes life gets tough. Sometimes life gets difficult. Sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we feel like there is just bitterness all around us. But because we have the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of us, we should be a people of hope. And I don't mean a people of wishful thinking. I mean a people of security because we have salvation. In my life, there's a lot of things that could be taken from me. In your life, there's a lot of things that you could lose, but you will never lose the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells inside of you. And if we lose everything else, but we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, that ought to be enough to make us smile. That ought to be enough to make us walk in faith. That ought to be enough to allow us to praise the name of God for as long as he gives us breath. When you look at Naomi, you see a woman who is driven by her circumstances. And we can't blame her because we do the same things, don't we? When life is easy, everything's good, but when life is tough, we get bitter. But that is not who we are to be. We are to be a people who were bought by the blood of Jesus, who walk around in faith, and we have the joy of God upon our life, regardless of our circumstances. Because, my friends, when we do that, we testify to God. When we walk in faith, when we walk in joy and people know that life might be tough, but we still have the smile on our face, that is a testimony to God. That's a testimony for God. It shows what really matters in our life. I want to just challenge you the rest of this week. Think about the providence of God. I don't know what you're doing tomorrow. I don't know where you're going, where life has you. But God does. And could it be that God is directing every step and every place you're going to go tomorrow and every person that you're going to interact with? How many opportunities are we going to waste tomorrow? And how many opportunities will we make the most of? And secondly is this. We have seen, just real quickly, a picture of the beauty of Christ. 
We see it in Boaz. We see the way that Boaz takes the initiative. He speaks to Ruth. He protects Ruth. He takes care of Ruth. He gives blessings to Ruth. And we realize that God has done the very same for us. We should live a life of thanksgiving to God for that. And so maybe we get busy and we take it for granted and we just pretend that we have earned it, that we deserve it. Let me remind you, we don't deserve the love of God, the grace of God. It's a gift that we have been blessed with. So remember who we serve and remember who guides our steps. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for each of these, God, who have, who have come this evening. Lord, I pray that you've challenged us. Lord, I pray as we, we follow your leading, God, tonight, tomorrow, that we will stay in the center of your will. I pray that as you bring people into our life, that we will look for a way to be an encouragement to them, to bless them, to share our faith with them, God. Lord, I pray that we will be a, a people who have a kingdom mindset. And Lord, we thank you for in the picture of Boaz, we see the, the love that you have for us. I thank you that you took the initiative in my life. I thank, that, I thank you that you care for me, that you protect me, that you look after me. And you do the same thing for every one of us in here, God. We thank you for your many blessings. Lord, may we honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, thank you all again for being here this evening. Any, any special prayer requests that we haven't already mentioned? Uh, oh, yes, Clark, uh, we have got three. We've got three dishwashers that will be destroyed if we don't give them away. Okay. Keep it going, buddy. Anything else? And? I like all the ends. I don't know what else you're going to give away. All right, so if you can use any of that, see Brother Clark. Um, that's all part of that house that will be torn down in the coming days. And so if we can put that to good use, that will be a great blessing. Yes. We'll pray for God's will. Okay, absolutely. Okay. Okay. February the 2nd. Okay. At regional. Okay. We're praying for that to go well. All right. Anything else? Okay, and that Saturday night, Friday night, Friday night. Okay, see Peggy for more details on that. All right. Well, let, let's, uh, let's pray one more time for these requests, and uh, we'll see you back on uh, Sunday, okay? Brother Ronnie, would you pray for us, please? Close us out.